Hello and welcome to episode 54 of the Critical Twits Gaming Podcast, where today we're going to be talking to you about all the fun we had at Dragon Meat. Uh, so welcome to our very first Gorilla podcast. Uh, we've recorded this on the fly as we've been taking part in the fun activities and capitalistic spending that is Dragon Meat, uh, a gaming convention that happens every year in London run by Modifius, uh, the uh, board game and role-playing game company, but with loads and loads of people from across the world. We've talked to absolutely loads of people about all sorts of different things. We've got tabletop role-playing games, we've got board games, we've got upcoming Kickstarter, We've got all sorts of different things, so stay tuned. Hello, we're at the Novotel Hammersmith. We arrived a couple of hours ago and then decided we wanted food, so we left and came back. And also there was waiting because Jamie had to buy a tripod. Good good planning, Jamie. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, just, <laughs> I just couldn't find my tripod this morning, so I thought it's just pop to Argos and get one. But, but we, we have found a Colin. Say hello to the children at home, Colin. Hello, everybody. This is probably as much as you've ever heard from me anyway on a podcast. Hello, goodbye. <laughs> yeah, listen back about 30 episodes and you'll get a Colin episode. Yes, where he will say something horrible about a child, an animal or a, or a baby animal. Which the lovely people at home don't get to hear because we have to edit everything. We'll he have says to do a, a special, a special episode. <laughs> Colin outtakes. All of Colin's outtakes. Um, It'll get us banned from something. Yeah. We've been inside. I've done a quick lap. Yeah. Um, what do we? What do we think so far? It's not bad. Um, the location is a bit fancier than last year. Yeah, it also appears to be a castle built in the sky that is impossible to access from ground level. Yeah, having we one keep... working elevator to Yeah, get... we queued for a lift for about 15 minutes. I don't know why I keep calling it elevator. Americanisms. I know. It's upsetting know. me. Why are you being American? It's just wrong. Uh, I blame mainstream media. God damn Hollywood. Exactly. God damn Trump. You're just, you're just picking up their, their liberal bias like a sponge. Yeah. Love a bit of liberal bias. Hurry <laughs> up and build your goddamn. What are we talking about? <laughs> Spongy. Yeah, we've d- yeah. done a done a lap round. It's um, it's bigger um, than before. Seems about as busy as before. But if it's bigger, that means there's probably more people. Yeah, I mean it's early days. Yeah, oh, I suppose it's half twelve, so it's not actually that early anymore. No, it's been going for no. a couple of hours now. Um, we've already lost uh, one member of our gaming group to the bring and buy. We expected uh, this. To he happen. was last seen clutching a core copy of Netrunner uh, that was costing him a ten of your Earth pounds uh, and crying tears of salty happiness. That's a pretty good deal. It's not bad, is it? No, it's no. Not bad. I, if I didn't have three, I would. Uh, would have been jealous. You always need another core set. I, no, Jamie, I'm not like <laughs> you. I'm happy with just a playset of everything. That was very imperialistic of Brian to assume that ten of our Earth pounds, as in that's the currency we would use if aliens come along. I don't deal in your mortal money. I am mostly fueled by enthusiasm and shoplifting. <laughs> we should probably have some kind of agenda when we decide to talk about the microphone. Shall yeah. we venture forth? Yes. Let's, Let's venture forth. Gathering parties and such. Well, to start the day off, we interviewed John from Spider-Mind Games about the upcoming Elite Dangerous role-playing game. Give them the truth rather than the half-remembered bullshit that comes out of my mouth. Because <laughs> I've been far too busy and forgotten you, You've put says. me on a pedestal. <laughs> and I'm about, as soon as you press record, I'm about to fall from that pedestal and give you some half-remembered shit because I didn't write it. I'm only the producer of the game. So what do I know? Um, and the author today, of all days, volunteered about six months ago to be in his local panto. Oh, wow. <laughs> so he is actually playing a proper panto baddie today rather than being here to explain his game. Um, 
off. But basically, like to include that on the yes, <laughs> yes. Um, so well, basically, the um, Elite Dangerous role-playing game is a tabletop role-playing game based on Elite Dangerous, the um, MMO, and there are. It's a D10 system, and there are three main combat areas. Of course, everyone will know Elite Dangerous for the fact that there are um, spaceship combat, which there is in the RPG. But there's also uh, a lower level of SRV combat. SRV, or Surface Reconnaissance Vehicle, is something that's featured in the game. But for us as role players, of course, it's not just one SRV. It's lots of different types. You can get tanks, you can get gangland vehicles, you can get all sorts. And then there's also a personal combat level as well. So there are some personal combat rules so that when you're out of your spaceship and you're out of your SLV and you're running around either the space stations or on the surface, there's a bunch of rules as in, in, uh, available as well. And um, if you want to have a look and see what it's like, um, we're actually launching the Kickstarter to raise the funds to make the core book and four source books on the 16th of January. But if you want to have a look now, you can go to edrpg.co.uk and there's a download button there to allow you to download a 50-page free playtest, which is for a GM and four characters, um, uh, just to give you a feeling for the game. It doesn't contain all of the rules. It's not a core book. It's just a, basically a, a, a sort of an impressions of the game. And also on the EDRPG website, there's the um, developer's blog where we will be downloading and updating on all the exciting things like the writers that we're getting to do some of the source books and when uh, the launch is and how the launch is going and what extra stuff we put in there. So that's basically it. Cool. Um, you mentioned that it's got space combat, it's got the ground vehicles yes. and uh, actually pers- sort of infantry combat, as it were. Yeah. Is there a main, like... Uh, focus of the game does it focus on the ships does it focus on the infantry or is it whatever you want to do within your group no elite dangerous the online mmo has you basically flying in the spaceship at the moment that's where elite originally back in the 80s came from you and a spaceship and 100 credits and off you go with the role-playing game we've taken players out so you can in fact have a uh, an entire campaign just in personal combat and SRV without touching the spaceships or the other way around, spacecraft or the the other way around. It's absolutely up to what the GM wants. Um, The source books that we're launching with the the main core book um, will include four categories. There's the military missions side of things. So that's you taking on military missions both in your your spaceship as well as you on on, on the ground as as grunts. Um, The exploration side of things, again, that's mainly flying from system to system, exploring new uncharted worlds, but there are interesting things in the exploration missions to come across. Uh, Downed spaceship, unrecognizable um, and and slightly alien looking ruins and artifacts to find and all this sort of stuff. And then there's espionage, so that's being spies. And then finally there's the uh, the, um, super traders, which is based on the idea that in the elite MMO you can trade well, of course, trading might sound to some people like trucking, and trucking might sound boring, but of course, if you're just asked to ship a commodity from one place to another, things can happen. And in super traders, they do, and often. So again, it's it's absolutely up to the GM, and it's completely flexible. Fantastic. Um, well, thank you very much, and hopefully we'll be able to give you some kind of uh, feedback. Very nice to meet you guys. Thank you. Thanks. Great. Yeah. Next, I talked to Sam from Modipius Entertainment about the new edition of the Star Trek Adventures RPG. Yeah, yeah. 
So Star Trek Adventures is the latest edition of their role-playing game for the tabletop, um, and it is from Modifius Entertainment, and it's brand new coming next year. Uh, we're wanting to produce something a little bit different from the previous editions, so what we're doing is we're giving uh, kind of a, a different slant or uh, kind of different narration on uh, the timeline and all the events of Star Trek. So while we'll obviously be have the game that's based on the 2D20 system, uh, we'll have lots of sidebars and lots of story elements that are based on different perspectives. So there might be a Romulan inter- intelligence report about what happened uh, when yesterday's Enterprise came through that time portal and went back, and how the hell did they know about our weapons configuration? Um, and there'll be you know Klingon reports on how best to destroy a uh, you know a, a constellation class vessel or stuff like that. You know, so our default setting is 2371, um, and that's a very exciting year for Trek because Janeway's about to go off uh, mistakenly obviously into the Delta Quadrant but she's being sent into the Badlands so Voyager's on the cards uh, DS9 also uh, Commander Sisko has just encountered uh, the Jem'Hadar and the Dominion and has obviously just come back from that and so Starfleet and Klingons pretty much everybody is kind of on alert as it were okay so I'm guessing the stories will let you take your, your own campaign in any of those directions absolutely yeah 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 so as I say that is our default time but you can also obviously uh, adventure in the Kirk era as well with the, the five-year missions. Um, and basically, uh, as usual, give you a, a toolkit under the 2D20 system to, to run whichever adventure you want. But okay. there'll be lots of, uh, as I say, setting information on, on that year particularly um, and how to play different characters from command and from tactical operations, uh, engineering and science and medical and all that kind of stuff as well. Excellent. So do you think there'll be eventually source books for some of the other eras? Yeah, absolutely. So what we'll do is uh, first of all we'll bring out some uh, division books so we'll do a more in-depth look at command we'll do a more in-depth look at operations and of science as well we'll also have source books about the alpha quadrant beta quadrant gamma and then delta eventually um, so that you'll have information more in-depth information about planets cultures different civilizations and factions and obviously the key players like Klingons Romulans and the Cardassians and all that kind of stuff as well okay so will it include rules for things like ship combat as well as ground combat yeah, absolutely as well. That's in the core rulebook. So yes. we'll have ship combat. Um, but obviously that's from the perspective of the crew on board. Yes. So if you're the helmsman, then you're, you know, at the controls making the ship go. So rather than actually thinking of it more as a kind of tactical starship game, you know. Yep. Okay, that sounds very interesting. Okay, cool. Um, yeah, I think that's it. So thank you for your Sweet. time. That's all right. Next, we spoke to Lydia from Rose's Gaming Accessories, who are currently kickstarting a series of handcrafted DM chests. Okay, so it's our Kickstarter. It's going to be a, a game chest for a DM. So it's a portable one. We're on Kickstarter around Wednesday. Yeah. Cool. So tomorrow, hopefully, if we get this out on time. Yes. Yeah, so your hopefully, fault. Yeah. We'll be out on time. So, yeah. So you open it up, and the bottom is a dice storage area, and it comes in different colours and different... styles yes depending on how you like it now the top bit's the nifty bit so you open it up and it's more storage to start off with then you've got these fold out wings which are in conjunction to the sculpt on top of everyone and they clip into place down the side if I can do that without looking which I can't apparently and then you can take the stuff out of your storage area and you've got a convert dice rolling map and DM screen that no matter where your players stand they cannot see your dice and you can now lift up your dice box and still get dice out from underneath without your player seeing what you're pulling out. So you could be getting a D8 or a D4 and you can still have them panicking, which is the best part about it. 
And obviously it all folds away and it's quite lightweight and they're all made of hard, solid hardwoods. So. For the tree of life, you've got tree branches. The D20, we've got D20s. All on 20 for good luck, of course. Yep. You know, just think positive. To murder your players more easily. Well, yeah, of course. Well, you don't want to give them too much help, do you? No, no. Um, we're hoping to have, for the Kickstarter one, a dragon with flames around the side as well as a phoenix and a werewolf with moons. And my favourite one, which will be Cthulhu, with tentacles that come out as the fold-away wings. Oh, excellent. Because I am a little bit obsessed with Cthulhu. I do, I do like a nice uh, Lovecraftian yeah, I, anything, really. Exactly, so do I, but I couldn't bear to play the games because I get really attached to characters really quickly and knowing that they're going to die in the first three minutes of play just yeah. kills me on the inside. So do you, do you DM yourself then? Is that I, where the ideas come well, from? Well, my little brother is mainly the DM. Uh, I'm more of a player. I mean, I do DM, but very rarely because I'm not very good at it because I get sidetracked very easily, oh, which is fine. which is awful in a player and a DM. But <laughs> I do. I have been playing for about four, five years now. Okay. So, but yeah. So these is this is his own original idea, and then I do all the finishing with my like family. So the painting, the waxing. So that's all of us and the hinges and everything. So, so a family business? Yeah, there? it is a family business. We are Roses Game Accessories because that is our last name. Um, oh, okay. Yes. I just assumed that you were Rose, but it says Lydia on there, so of yeah, course. Yeah, this is the plaques oh. we made at half eleven last night. And then I painted them at quarter to one, knowing that we had to be up at four in the morning to be here. <laughs> so that was a great idea. And I call him my little brother because he's five years younger than me, and I'm in six inch heels, and he's... Still towering over you. Yeah. <laughs> I just, I'm just done. So, yeah. is the Kickstarter just for the DM screen? Yeah, the Kickstarter is just literally for this one, and obviously the other three that we've yeah, designed. The other variations of the design. We've only been going for about two months, so everything that you see here is just stuff that we've come up with. We're hoping to have magic boxes and dice rolling towers and you know deck boxes and things like that. So we're hoping that people give us more ideas of what they'd like, yeah. and then we can start creating them for you. Because everything we use is reclaimed hardwood, so. Okay. It's quality material and we can give it to you a bit cheaper than, say, anyone else if they were making this. I don't know if anybody else does anything like we do. Yeah. I've never seen it before. Yeah, but you're not having to order 50 million trees to be chopped down no, somewhere God and no. shipped to you, etc. Um, that box is made of an old piano. That we, It's mahogany. It's pure mahogany, shaped out of a single piece of wood. Oh, I like that. It's nice. But, yeah, so, and it's illegal to cut down that piece of that type of mahogany now because it's endangered and it takes too long to grow. Oh, okay. So... Yeah, we do everything we can for the environment. Oh, great. And it means that everything we do, we start from a single piece of wood and we carve it all ourselves. Like, everything is done in-house, except making the hinges. I'm good, but I can't make metal work. <laughs> like, it's just nothing. So, as well as the, the Kickstarter for the uh, the gaming screens, which do look lovely. Thank you. And they're, they are fairly hefty, aren't they? Depending so. on what type. So you've got oak, which is heavy, but this is black walnut, so it's a bit lighter. Okay, yeah. They seem nice and sturdy. They're yeah, not going to get broken I mean, in your bag or that kind of thing. If you, I wouldn't recommend dropping them, but if yeah. you did, they'd survive quite nicely. You'd probably have a dent in your floor, but... Yeah. <laughs> do, you, do you have a website for everything else? We have an Etsy shop at the moment because we've only, like I said, we've only just started. So we have a Facebook page and an Etsy shop called Roses Game and Accessories. So it's all going on there. But this is literally, we're just so brand new that we thought we'd try and get a bit of word out there. This is our first ever meet and everyone here is so lovely. So yeah, having, a good, having a good time? Seen anything interesting? Yeah, we've seen a load of amazing things and a load of lovely people have come up and obviously bought from us and told us how much they like our stuff. And 
I really wanted to get in on a game, but I've sort of been stuck here the entire day. So. Yeah, everyone we've talked to has said that when you come here to sort of to present or to you've got a, a small store or whatever, yeah. you get stuck there and you don't you get to see everyone else having fun. You're just sort of like, can I just? Oh no, 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 I can't. I mean, the guys that make the pewter dice are incredible. I mean, we've had a few people that come over here. Like, I've just bought these amazing pewter dice, and now I need someone to store it. I'm like, well, help yourselves. Yes. Yeah. Um, do you take sort of commissions if someone wanted a custom yeah. design? We do whatever you want. It won't cost you any more than, say, if you wanted one of these boxes, but you wanted your own price on it. We would happily do it, and we wouldn't cost you anything else for it. So it's literally, obviously, if you've got different dimensions, then we might charge a bit more, but it's not an arm and a leg to decide what you'd like on your box. So it's, it's all about the customer, and it's all about what people like and what they enjoy. So just uh, just to recap for everyone who's listening, because uh, we've rattled through that fairly quickly, um, it's Rose's Gaming Accessories. We'll put a link to the, the Kickstarter when it's live, uh, but you can also buy the smaller dice boxes and such like on the Etsy store, so we'll pop a link down to that thank as well. So, so thank you very much. Amazing. Thank you so much for coming to speak to us. It's all right. It's great. Right, let's get you some dice stuff going on. Right, so uh, we're here with Lewis from Braincrack Games, um, and we're going to be having a look at Downsize, uh, a card game. So, uh, Lewis, what can you tell me about the game? Uh, so, Downsize is very quick, uh, quite light, 20-minute game. Uh, essentially, everyone is running a company, and as the name suggests, you are firing people to resolve actions. Uh, you take returns cards that are in the center of the table, and so certain combinations of employees, like investments and corporate, will get you returns cards. Uh, there are also specialists we have, which have the effects listed on the card. Uh, so you've got like investments, uh, corporate, legal, uh, there are auditors, there are security guards. And the, the aim of the game is to get the most money and keep quite a small company. Because at the end of the game, the market crashes. And if you have any employees left in your hand, you will take losses. Okay. So on your turn, you can either hire an employee from this deck... You can fire a specialist, which are the cards with extra text at the bottom. Or you can fire a pair, according to the pairs listed on the reference card. Awesome. Okay. Well, uh, we're going to have a game of this now, and uh, we'll probably do a first impressions review later. later. Yeah. Yeah? yeah. Cool. Okay. Thank you. Um, so, with Downsize, what were our first thoughts on uh, you know, what we played? I really like it. It's quite cynical um, in its... You're trying to fire all of your employees to make as much money, um, which I like. You know, I like that kind of thing. Um, have you been downsized yourself? Is that where it came from? Is that? Now, a lot of people say like, oh, did, did, was there some sort of kind of horrible inspiration for this game? But no, I was actually at university when I designed this, okay. um, and not in a job at all. Um, uh, although I did when I when I published it, my boss kind of turned to me and he said, "Are you okay? Like, is there something <laughs> wrong? <laughs> Are you worried for your job?" Um, yeah, see, I mean, I, I think it look, it's, it's brilliant. It's good fun. It's simple. Um, it's something that, while the, the cynical side of it would be lost, the gameplay mechanics are easy enough for children to play as well because you essentially you can match colours. You can include the adding up at the end with you've got a bit of maths in there and stuff like that. Um, so I've been looking at something I could play with my daughter. Um, yeah. I think the youngest we've played it with is uh, four years old. Uh, and he also, obviously once he's like had all the cards explained to him and stuff, he absolutely loves it. Yeah, yeah, this is it. Um, so, is this Kickstarter as well, or is this released? Uh, this, one? So this has been released. It kickstarted in April, and we got twenty-eight thousand. Uh, it's on Amazon currently, and I think you can also get it at Games Quest and All Good Meeple. 
yeah, I think it was really, really good fun. Um, you know, quick, very quick to play, and you know, really interesting. So, as long as you don't mind sort of those sort of gotcha things, because a lot of the cards are, I'm going to look at what you've got, take it away. Yeah, that kind of game, then that's great. I do, so it's fine. Mm. It is a, a take that game at its core, but one thing I like about it is that it's not a very, it's not a particularly vicious take that game, in that sometimes you'll make people hire employees in, in thinking that they're going to make more losses at the end of the game, but it might just be the thing that they need at that point. So it's kind of, it's not not a, a mean take that game. No, it's, it's quite light-hearted in the way that it plays out, and like again the interactions are haha you're out of the game kind of thing which which I yeah no it's good and it's not like a two hour epic as well so you're not ruining someone's day when you yeah yeah <laughs> it took us 10 minutes 15 minutes yeah, to play yeah. through so yeah and that's on a, on a first time oh god what does this do kind of thing yeah, yeah. with Jamie who likes to plan ahead 47 moves yes <laughs> okay cool thank you guys All right, um, we're here with Lewis again, talking about Mind Out this time, uh, which looks to be a fairly fun game about mining. Yeah, so it's a pocket-sized mining game. Uh, it's £15 on Kickstarter at the moment, and essentially what you have is a randomly generated mine across 12 cards. Your miner moves around, he spends action points to pick up gems, and when you pick up gems, it makes that part of the mine shaky. When he takes another gem from that part of the mine, it'll then collapse. Unless he uses supports, which cost time and money, but they mean that you can mine those, those gems on those cards as much as you want. You use these to buy upgrades like minecarts, coffee, shovels, and ladders. And it's essentially a, a strategy game. You can play it fast and loose, or you can try and, and game it and make the, the best mine with the best upgrades and try and score the most points. Okay, brilliant. So it looks a bit, a bit worker placement-y. Or is that just literally the fact that there's little meeples in it, and I'm, I'm assuming? Uh, <laughs> it's, it's more sort of like an a action point allowance uh, sort of adventure game. You're moving one little guy around, and it's basically, that's how it works, grid movement. Okay, you're cool. placing one worker. Yeah, well, yes. Um, <laughs> yeah, so it's, it's a resource spending on risk-reward, risk I guess, in a way. Yeah, yeah. Okay, cool. Um, um, so uh, you say it's on Kickstarter now? Yeah. When's that go on till? Uh, it's on for the next five days, with today being the third, so it's on until the eighth. Um, it's funding for £9,000, and I think we're halfway there, so we've got a little bit of a way to go. Okay. Um, but yeah. Okay, so this, this uh, should go out on Tuesday, which is the... Sixth. Sixth, yeah, so it should be a couple of days before the Kickstarter so ends. Race over to the Kickstarter, you can grab yourself a copy. There are also uh, gem upgrade packs uh, available, so usually you just use a sort of pushy cube uh, gem counter in the game, but you can get a nice little pack of shiny gems to, to throw in there with it, which obviously upgrades the game a little bit. Awesome, oh, thank you, we'll give it a try. Okay, we're back with Braincrack Games, um, and we've just uh, had a run-through of Mind Out, so, which is again on Kickstarter this week. So, um, Brian, what's your first thoughts? Um, going back to when we were talking about um, the last game, um, you've never worked in a mine, then? <laughs> <laughs> Not quite, no. I mean, it's been an aspiration of mine for years, but sadly, tabletop gaming is about as, as close as I can get, really. Yeah, I, I look more like a hobbit than a dwarf, so I've never been down the mines. Um, I wouldn't mind living a little bit underground. I think um, I've been in Cheddar Gorge. Uh, <laughs> that's it, about it. No, I'm not even going to make cheese jokes. Let's, let's try, <laughs> try to maintain a veneer of seriousness. Um, have you played Steamworld Dig? 
I haven't played SteamWorld Dig, no. It just reminded me of that, which is a... It's a computer little, game, isn't it? It's yeah. A, yeah. Is that because it's also set in a mine? Yes. Yeah, okay. And you collect gems. Right. What else um, are you going to do in a mine? Um, Murder canaries. Yes. Hi, <laughs> dead people. I don't know. Cool. So, on the actual <laughs> game itself, um, as, as the more competitive of, of the group, yeah. I like the fact there's different ways you can go about winning. Um, you can play that almost scorched earth thing and just go, no, I will let everything collapse and rush for, for gems. Or you can, like, you can try and structure up a, a well-established, upgraded mine. But there is that one-off shot that someone can go, no, no, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ruin your fun and break that one with the dynamite. So it, 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 looks, it looks balanced. I like the fact there's a little bit of depth to the tactics as well. Yeah, I was going to say, I assume every player, although it's randomised, every player will have the same mine overall so there'll be the same four cards for the top so, layer the middle layer it is actually random each game okay uh, but the way it's worked out is that you're at the bottom of your mine you're more likely to have nicer gems but it's not always the case you can have a bit of a bit of a pants lower mine uh, but generally it is very well averaged out there's never a game where uh, you, you don't have the gems you need to actually to progress sometimes you might get yourself into a tight spot but that's all about planning ahead and, and trying to build in a contingency plan as to what you're doing I like the idea of blowing up other people's stuff so they reveal that thing with the three red yeah, gems yeah, yeah. in it which looked really really good and then you just go no <laughs> that that looks fun yes I'm looking at you Joe yeah yeah because I'd do that because well, you'd, you'd get that card every time yeah probably yeah. <laughs> but extreme luck and everyone hates me yeah. for it so could you just tell us a little bit about I love the name by the way Brain Crack Games I think that's really really good uh, could you tell us a bit about the company and how, how it came about I mean, I'm going to sound really old now. You seem quite young to have your own company, so... It's because I shaved yesterday, mostly. Oh, okay. <laughs> yesterday I looked like a sort of balding 40s homeless man. I look but... like a 14-year-old girl if I shave, so... Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, I, I started the business sort of earlier this year to uh, kickstart Downsize. Uh, I was in university at the time. I graduated in May. Um, and it's really just the offset of an, an addiction, really. I am absolutely obsessed with designing games, as, as Emily will tell you. Um, and yeah, just it, it sort of absorbed all, absorbed all my time until next thing I know, I'd quit my job and I was <laughs> selling games for a living. Um, yeah, it's called Brain Crack Games. Uh, the meaning behind that being, it is essentially crack for my brain. That is that is where that that comes from. Uh, it's what I'm thinking of every minute of the day. So yeah. Rather than hardcore drugs, yeah. I mean, board games are a safer option. Staying cool. Something more expensive, though. Yes, definitely. Depending. It's <laughs> to kill yourself. And, uh... <laughs> you drown... If you're a bad loser, I guess. Yeah, you can yeah. drown in miniatures games. Yeah, that's it. So you never, got rid of my investments. I'd, I'm going to go... Ha- I'd never kill myself. I'd kill you for beating me, because I am a bad loser. But I never You've not done it myself. yet. I often beat you. <laughs> the comments like that. <laughs> I know. Excellent. Yeah. Yes. Don't, don't do drugs, kids. Just yeah. get Uno. Like. <laughs> it's better than heroin. Well, it's, it's the, the, That's what you should put as the, as the tagline for this. Better than heroin. Well, there's the, 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 the internet meme of, like, if you teach kids to play, play Magic the Gathering, they'll never get into drugs because they have no money. Yeah, um, and it, yeah it, is, it is true. It's a, it is a good hobby. I mean, in terms of taglines, we were, gonna, we were thinking of... Uh, 
because obviously brain crack is what's on your brain all the time I did briefly think of uh, going for the, the hashtag show us your crack and then I thought that could probably be misread quite badly in, in multiple ways <laughs> yeah. none of which are safe for um, potential target audiences yeah no I, I that one's great no, more, more yes but that. we're horrible human beings yeah not everyone is I think we should put it as our tagline without any reference to actual cracks <laughs> in the brain and it would just be even worse cool well thank you very much for uh, um, for talking to us um, and make sure you check out the, the Kickstarter that's on until the 8th next we talk to Gary Wareham about his dystopian card game Oligarchy Oligarchy is a dystopian future card game it is both collectible so CCG players will collect it and play sure. it as they want but we took a lot of feedback from um, events like this where people said look I like the idea of the game, I like, I like the way it played, but I don't want to sink tons and tons of money into yeah. a collectible game. I already play Magic or Pokemon, I don't want to play for this as well. And I said, well, yeah, this is better, but <laughs> it's your choice as a discerning customer. Sure. So what we did is we made uh, the core game, yep. which you can see here, uh, is standalone. So okay, everything good. you see on the table today is, it will retail for about 25, 30 quid, depending yeah. on the retailer. Um, and that has about 30 to 40% of the entire set of the game. Uh, it doesn't have the super ultra mega rare cards, but then I've got to make some money somehow, haven't I? So, <laughs> um, but there's everything in here is balanced, and it's what you see today. So, uh, if you pre-order it on Backer Kit at the moment, then it's twenty uh, percent off, so it's twenty quid. Right, so it's available on Backer Kit now. Yes, available on Backer Kit right now. Um, the pre-orders are strong. Um, we've we've done much better than we expected, but I think that's down to on Board Game Geek. We don't have a huge amount of reviews, but the plays that have been logged and the reviews are averaging 8.9. That's really I'm, good. I'm that's, told that's very good. But that is, that's very high for the yeah. But yeah. then it's a small sample, so let's see. Yeah. <laughs> when it's released, it will probably aggregate down or up, maybe, we don't know. Okay, so what's, your, what's the elevator pitch for Oligarchy? The so elevator pitch yeah. is, it's a dystopian future card game in which you play the role of an oligarch. Uh, the game is reality-based, so its unique selling point is that it doesn't have orcs, elves and fairies and demons and whatnot. It has real horrible people, real nice people. You play them, you deploy them in the game to work for you, because obviously you are a very powerful individual in the chosen field. There are eight fields, factions we call them, that you can ally yourself to. So if you're familiar with games like Magic, where there's five colours, uh, in Oligarchy there are eight factions. And unlike with Magic, that their propensity model for continuing their um, sales, everything revolves around those five colours. They never add in a new colour because that would be a bit awkward at this stage. Yes. Um, whereas Oligarchy has that flexibility, so we're adding in new factions with every expansion. Oh, wow. uh, and I was just discussing with our manufacturer there um, that the new expansion will come in and there will be two new factions is the plan, 200 new cards um, and allows you to just jazz up your game and then it appeals to more different personality types as it were sure. for you because you will find as you play the game's got quite a lot of dark humour to it um, and it's quite fun blowing each other up in car bombs and, uh, earlier I had a priest and someone took a contract kill out on him and uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. he wasn't seen again uh, so uh, that's the game in a nutshell okay awesome while Joe and I were having fun playing oligarchy Brian was off interviewing Backspindle Games about a couple of their latest releases and should we talk about Luchador first? Because I've sure. just had a game of Luchador, which yeah. is great. I really enjoyed it. Thank okay, you. Okay, good, good. And why did you enjoy it? I'll interview you. Um, it was... <laughs> it was it's got kind of silliness to it without being ridiculous yeah. and sort of over the top and getting anyone to yeah. stand on one leg or yeah, yeah, silly yeah. faces. Yeah. No, but that, that's, that's purposeful, yes. really. Yeah. I mean, the idea was, I mean, 
I'm a big wrestling fan since I was a kid. Yeah. And the big th attraction for wrestling is silly. Yeah. It's not serious. People know that. It's larger than life characters and they do ridiculous things and they cheat and all the rest of it. Um, so the idea was that a fast playing game that would reflect that kind of atmosphere. And that proves, I mean, it happens a lot. We get people shouting, screaming. They, we have them showing up with masks to play. They, they actually do that. It's ridiculous. So, but, but it's fun. It's good fun that way. So, uh, so my initial idea, and then I took it to my buddies over at Backspindle Games, who I had gotten to know from a previous design that I did. And they thought, no, it has to be Mexican wrestling as opposed to normal wrestling. And then from there on, we just kind of went crazy. Didn't yeah, that just sort of sparked it. And we took over from there. Um, I think the appeal of the Mexican wrestling for us was just purely the visuals of it. Yeah. Um, so much more colorful, the masks. Yeah. And if you've ever watched Lucha Libre as opposed to WWE, you know, it's faster, it's the leaps are higher. It's far more dangerous. It's far more <laughs> dangerous. And there's just so much more action in the game, and that's yeah. what we tried to bring into it. Yeah. And in the back of our minds, we're both thinking there's a huge audience for this if we can get to the wrestling fans out there so we're starting to get there which is kind of nice so um so we're thinking yeah it could be something there yeah. and it has to have dice to make it you know even more ridiculous yeah whose idea was the ring i really like having to roll the dice that's in his the fault. ring if they, <laughs> this, if they fall out of the ring they don't count this is genius yeah <laughs> no it was uh, the, the very first edition of this game yeah. was put out just as a little pocket box game yeah, yeah. um just and it just had a fold out board um, we done that. We were pretty certain we had a, uh, an idea that would would fly, um, but in order to test the water, we put a very small one out just in a pocket format. We kept it as simple. We just did very basic rules, and we put it out there. And we thought, well, let's test it. You know, if people play it in this format and enjoy it, then we've got something to build on. So we done that, and it sold out very quickly for us. So then we put together the Kickstarter and we started thinking, okay, how can we make it bigger? How can we make it better? How can we get more of the excitement of into it? Um, so we started kicking around a few ideas and I thought what would be really cool would be to have a proper 3D ring to put it in. Um, so we kicked a few things around and I started working on a few designs and eventually came up with something that's sitting in front of you there. And it just, as you say, it just adds to the game. It just... Um, yeah, when you've got things like your re-rolls where you've missed or whatever, yeah. you yeah, can yeah. then it becomes more of a dexterity game. So you're trying to knock their yeah, that, that was there from the beginning before this came, and then this is kind of exaggerated. The three D ring just exaggerated it even more. So, oh. is the, so the, the second edition. This is the second edition. Is yeah, it fairly recent. The second edition. Is it? No, this is the fourth um, year. Is it? It's oh, going on the fourth, fourth year. year. It's yeah. the third reprint this year off it. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. So, it's really um, taken off in the US this year. It's starting to build over there. Because partner um, in the US. And, then, and it was published in Spain by Masco. They've done a Spanish yeah. version yeah, of Spanish it. Version. Yeah. Um, Just happy shops Germany. in Germany are now they're doing a translation kit yeah. for it. So you can buy the game with a, a German translation kit for German fans out there. Um, yeah, and we've uh, plans of food for a few expansions and stuff coming up. Yeah. Some new more wrestlers. We're just we just keep looking at, I mean, the whole wrestling thing, it's, there's such a wide theatre 
of activities around that and all the stuff that happens outside the ring not just in the ring yeah, yeah. so we're now looking at ways how can we bring that into the game as well yeah. you know, so. I mean, that's one of the reasons why we put things like high-fiving you have to do it yeah it's just because it becomes part of an atmosphere as opposed to just playing a game because yeah. um, to, to me I mean the, 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 feed, the feedback and the comments are all about how people feel it's not about mechanics yeah it's yeah. secondary actually it's about how yeah. I felt playing that and that's exactly what we try to do you got the mechanics down in that nice sweet spot where they're not over complex no. they feel like they've got a little bit of tactics yeah. but yeah. then as I yeah. said I will spend that game going on almost that chance yeah yeah well, that's a, I mean <laughs> that was the point yeah it doesn't pretend to be anything other than a dice chucker it's what it is but it, it's all about the theme in the field uh, we did add in the advanced cards in the second edition yeah. which if you want a wee bit more depth to it a few more choices yeah, you can it allows you to um, hold back dice results and build up for killer combinations um, it brings in individual strengths and weaknesses so just for those people who want a wee bit more depth to it a few more choices it's in there in the advanced rules if you want yeah. to play it that way do you do a because we did a tag team game before yeah. can you look at the Royal Rumble for there's, there's, there's rules for that yeah. we don't call it Royal Rumble for obvious reasons yeah. <laughs> but there is a rules for basically it's kind of like last man standing type of thing yeah you have that um, so we can be played up to six players as well there's, yeah. as well as the standard two man tag team there's a tag team brawl which has three teams of two yeah. the difference being in a normal tag team match you can tag your teammate in and out as you want in a tag team brawl you can tag anyone around the table in and they're not allowed to refuse as soon as you offer them a tag they must take it and get in the ring Okay. so it, it lends some interesting battles going on there yeah, yeah. It's, it's chaos that's <laughs> the, the thing is try, trying to make sure it's, it's manageable yeah. because you, know, you can come up with all kinds of ridiculous ideas and then all of a sudden it starts to unwind a bit so I think it's important to keep it a pretty tight game so that it works and let people do their own thing and right now on BGG we've got people who've created their own cards from WWE now they've created their own match types and it's great it's really really great yeah and I think a lot of it's about the little touches we, we try to put in to say it was all about trying to make it as close to the wrestling experience yeah, yeah. Um, without actually getting physical and hurting people yeah. um, so that's why we, we put the two there's two wrestling belts that yeah, come in and thing but um, <laughs> you know there's special rules for that. you can't just win one match and call yourself a champion so there's rules in there that when you start playing the game the first person that wins five matches in total or can win three matches back to back they can claim the belt now if they have done that and somebody wants to challenge them well they're not worthy to step into the ring with a champion until they prove themselves yeah <laughs> so they have to go and win three matches back to back or five matches from the date of you winning the belt then they've got the right to challenge you for your belt yeah, yeah. and then you have it uh, a best of three 1v1 match and if they manage to beat you in that then they get the title otherwise it stays with you yeah. so you can have an ongoing thing and there's, there's a belt for individuals and there's a belt for tag team world champions yeah. um, so you get bragging rights as well nice. yes. yeah. that's great well, thank you very much thank, well, thank you. you ok this is Kodinka ok um, it's an Aztec theme game um, it's not a particularly heavy theme, but there's a little backstory to it just to set up on it. And that is that the players are intrepid explorers. They've been exploring in the rainforest of South America. And we discovered a city, okay? A ruined city. In the center of that, there's this amazing temple. 
the problem is we've been there three months and we haven't found a way in. Okay? So the premise of the game is that there's a local legend that says there are four magical locks that must be broken in order to get into the temple. Okay, so there's four decks of cards that sit beside the grid of 16 tiles. At the start of the game, each player draws one from each of those decks, and that gives him four what we call key patterns, okay? So that's the four key patterns. Each player will have an in their own individual set of four of those, which they keep secret. Now looking at the grid, you've got 16 tiles, you've got four sets of four in four different colours, okay, and they represent earth, air, fire and water tiles, okay? So depending on where you sit around the grid, you'll be controlling four tiles. <coughs> Excuse me. In this case, I would be controlling the green earth tiles. You would be controlling the blue water tiles, okay? To win the game, I must move my green earth tiles into these four patterns. I must have them in the right pattern and right position and I must also have the right side showing because each tile has the same pattern on both sides only one side's in gold and one side's in white or stone as we call it in the game yeah okay so in order to win I have to achieve each of these four patterns I can do them in any order yeah I keep the cards hidden when I achieve one I show you the card pattern I've achieved you confirm it and I will put it face down again because okay. <coughs> I don't want you to remember what I've achieved because if you know what I've achieved you will know what I've still got to do, which makes it easier for you to block. Me. Yeah. Okay. So that's what we've got to achieve, and how we do it in the game is two very simple actions in the game. You've got a switch and you've got a flick. A switch basically starts always with one of your own tiles, and you can pick it up and you can swap its position with any adjacent tile, including diagonally. <coughs> so that's the switch. The other option is a flip, and that is just to turn any tile on the table from stone to gold or gold to stone. Okay? And like you say, that can be anyone's tile. Um, so that's your two basic actions. On your turn, you can do any combination of two of those. Okay? So you can switch a tile and switch another tile. <coughs> Sorry. Switch a tile and flip a tile. Or you can flip two tiles. There's one proviso in the game that is if you're flipping two tiles or turning two tiles over on the same turn, one of them must be your own. The other one, again, can be anybody's. So that's your basic actions. The only other thing that comes into the game are a set of cards here which are called spirit cards. Each person starts with three of those and anything you do with these cards happens in addition to your normal action. Okay, so you still get two turns or three actions Plus, you can spend one or more of these, okay? Two ways to play them. If you put them one side down, there's two little action patterns shown on the back of them. <coughs> they will buy you either one of those two actions. So one is a block rotate, where you can take any four tiles and rotate them around their center point 90 degrees or 180 degrees in either direction. So you can just twist four tiles around and swap the position that way. The other one is called a line push which can start at any the end of any vertical or horizontal line. You take a tile from one end, you put it to the other, and you slide the whole line back up into the grid. So that's your two basic actions on that side. The other way to play these is to turn them the other way up. This looks quite interesting. It does. I like little yeah. abstract games like that. 
Yeah, yeah. yeah. So we don't play malt enough of this kind of thing. We need to do a special on some stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So sorry about that. So the other way to play a spirit card is to turn it over, and on the reverse of those cards we have what we call trap patterns. Okay. They can be played on any side of the board. It doesn't have to be just in front of you. So there's a little red arrow on them. You can put that on any side of the grid and point it towards the tiles. Now, nothing will move position. No tiles switch place, but every tile will turn over on the grid until the color pattern shown on the trap matches. In this particular case, that row becomes white, gold, white, and gold across them. So that can help you achieve one of these mixed patterns perhaps yeah. or it can totally mess up an opponent if you think he's about to get a pattern you can slap one of those down at the end of your turn yeah thing. so that, that's the basic concept of the game it's a very simple game is it two player or four player i can play t two to four players okay um a two player game tends to be a lot more strategic um because you know i can watch i can concentrate on what i'm doing and keep an eye on what you're doing I Once you bring in three and four players... I guess the uh, board state changes a lot as well between each round. It does. In four but player. see, it sort of balances out. People will look at it and go, the four-player game must be impossible. There's too many people moving your tiles before you get your go. But I say the difference is, if I'm playing one opponent, I can look after what I'm doing, and I can watch what he's doing, and I can block what he's doing. If there's two or, th or three or four players, it's kind of hard sometimes for me to affect my opponent or hinder my opponent without helping somebody else. Yeah. Because there's only 16 tiles on the table. So you're always moving other people's tiles. So, you know, it, it, it it's a different type of game when you've got three or four people playing, but it is it, it, it keeps its balance because of that. Yeah, it's really interesting. Finally, we had a chat with Davumo about their latest edition of the Slay Industries role-playing game and their upcoming war game based in the same universe. I hope we could talk to you about the... Uh, the guy you want to speak yeah. to. Yes, yes. hello, okay. I'm Brian. Hi Brian, you right. Not, not too bad, slightly tired, we've been running around annoying people all day. Are we doing a group thing? Yeah, we're doing yeah, This is cool. Joe as well. Hello. Hey Joe. All right. He's yeah. one of us. It's not any of these ones though. No, <laughs> I didn't get on, on the t-shirt. Um, yeah, um, can we just have a sort of a quick chat? Yeah, chat with yeah. you. Um, of course. Are you? Is this your baby then? Or? Uh, yes, I'm. There's four of us uh, make up the rumour. Uh, okay. I'm one of the four partners. My brother, who's just dived off of the car, is uh, one of them. And Dave and Jared, who are the original Nightfall, make up the other half. Oh, excellent. Okay, that's cool. Are you recording already? Yeah, we'll cut it and make it sound <laughs> sound uh, sound good uh, at some point. Um, so yeah, could you tell us a little bit? Is this new today? It's recently. Retro. Slay okay. Industries was a cult role-playing game from the 90s, which has a massive following. We've gone back to basics, we have reprinted the role-playing game, it just came back in last week, first time in 20 years it's been in print. We've done this for two reasons, firstly because we have a couple of supplements which were never published, which will take the game up to second edition, so because we're having a bit of a resurgence on the game, we thought we have to get the core book back in print, and the supplements will take the journey up to second edition in about two years' time. But also, we're actually doing a war game. So a lot of the miniatures and everything you can see here are all part of the Cannibal Sector 1 skirmish game. Now, we kick-started the rule book uh, because we need a bit of extra funds to produce the publication. But all of the factions and the characters and the miniatures you see here have all been self-funded, so we've done it the old-fashioned way. 
uh, you see there's a lot we've got factions so, every two to three months so the war, the war game is kickstarted but the, the role play is a labour of love it is yes it is definitely very much so so were you involved with it originally? Or? I was a fan originally, and I knew David and Jared from different shows and cons, etc. Twenty odd years ago. Yeah. Uh, so I've always played Slate, and it's a Glasgow game. It was written in Glasgow, and it's from Glasgow. And you can see it's still got the Scottish flag on the back. Oh. Uh, so it's it's a game after my own heart, very much. Yeah. Um, so can you give us like the elevator pitch for the setting or for the? It's a sci-fi horror system. It's set in a very grim, dark future where everything is televised. The, there's 10 billion people on the planet they're all unemployed so you give them give them well fed and you show them blood sports <laughs> 24-7 and by blood sports I mean reality TV shows if you imagine cops where there's an actual gunfight where the cops get gunned down this is in this game uh, you have superstars Slee Operatives is like a rock star meets a model meets a cover girl who has got custom body armour and a special weapon and she's trained to kick ass and she will go in in front of a live studio audience and take down the bad guys all televised you can even play side bets and you get studio audience will come up and they'll play a little game show who do you think Dealey's going to fight next to what's going to be the outcome of the next battle you know is she going to use her blitzer or is she going to use the fin which gun is she going to use next you know it's, it's very cynical very hard edge science the technology in it is very cutting edge they use a lot of genetics so instead of uh, bio, some mechanical implants and cyberware it's actually bio implants they've got so most of the people who are wealthy live forever. Uh, they can get anything, can be cloned and replaced. You know, your heart gets shot out, not a problem. They'll make a new one. <laughs> it's, it's very cool background. So the, the players are going to be playing people trying to entertain, to make money well, that way? They are low-level slay operatives. And the level the players start off with, they've got a low security clearance, they get the rubbish missions. You know, They won't get the glitzy missions with the big television backup. They will get sent in to do something like there's a maintenance man has disappeared in a sewer system go in there and find out what happened to the poor guy and if you're really lucky then all hell will break loose and the TV crew will turn up if you're really lucky <laughs> so you want the shit to hit the fan so you want the shit to hit the fan yes and you get paid a bonus depending on how much shit hits the fan so right. would the cynical, more cynical players maybe attempt to make the shit hit the fan to try that to has been known place. from time to time yes <laughs> and if you can initiate a melee combat then you get more money as well because studies have shown that gunfights are quite boring the studio audience doesn't <laughs> like them as much and the Slay Corporation owns absolutely everything so if you fire a few bullets off and you miss someone's got to pay for that damage I'm sorry but you missed your target you have to repay, pay repairs whereas a, a good sword swing or a, an axe attack you know it's got more of a chance of not causing collateral damage Sounds really interesting what's the, the system like? The mechanics of the actual role-playing game are very simple and very fast uh, concentrating on speed and weighted slightly towards melee but it's because the studio audience at home loves melee <laughs> uh, the war game is very very similar the war game is very fast paced you only need maybe 10 to 15 miniatures in total and there is actually a mechanic in the game called ratings and what that means is the more success you've got the more your ratings pool builds up and it either goes towards your victory conditions at the end of the game or you can spend on buffs and triggers and little special flashy manoeuvres, which if you do it right, the audience at home will love and give you more ratings, but if you do it wrong, your ratings pull will drop. Because <laughs> you just messed up, and nobody wants to see you mess up on live TV. Yeah, you said there's been a bit of a resurgence. Uh, why do you think that is? It's a very much love book. Uh, it really is. We have got a massive cult following who've stuck with it for over 20 years, and the role playing's come back in, and most of them have bought it again. They've still got the first print, They've still got the second print from the late 90s, but yeah. they've bought the third print as well because they want a modern version of the game. 
Uh, and the fact that they've got the miniatures and everything to go with the game now, that means they can see it's coming back. They know we've got two or three more supplements in the pipeline which will carry the story forward. And after 20 years of waiting, they really want to know what happens next. Yeah. So, I mean, from what you were saying there about like the, the rating system and things, it looks like there's a almost a push-your-luck element in it. Oh, yes. Which is kind of new to a... Wargaming, a, a yeah. yeah it's risk management. Do you play it safe and, and sit on your ratings pool? Which is fine, it's a good tactic. Or do you think, actually, you know what, I'm going to burn a few ratings here and see where it takes me. I'm going to activate these special buffs. When are you looking at a general release for the Wargame? Wargame about June of next year. Uh, the beta testing is open right now. We have got literally hundreds of playtesters around the world. We've got groups in America, Brazil, Scotland, several groups in the UK. Uh, if you look on the forums, you'll see straight away there's a massive amount of games get played every weekend. And we're using what we've learned from dozens of people playing every weekend to make it a better system. Sounds good, sounds good. We might have to check that out, I think. It give sounds, it a download, uh, give it a try. Sounds yeah. interesting. But the, the new new version of the Roleplay Book is out now if people it want to is, get stuck right in. now, yeah. Where would they go to get hold of that? Uh, there will be a lot of retailers are purchasing it. Stevium are going to be stocking it. They're big distributors in the UK. Uh, we've got a few role-playing shops have come to us directly, or they can come to our website. Um, I'm going to buy one. <laughs> <laughs> it's, a, it's a very nice looking soul, book soul it's definitely. and you get a free Halloween jack with it oh excellent he's actually an immortal serial killer <laughs> but he's very popular on camera it, strangely he's our Boba Fett there is almost nothing in print about him and there's only three images throughout all the books and this includes supplements but the less we tell people about him the more we make it up yeah. and the more popular he gets so we we had a design meeting about a year ago and said, right, Jack, everybody loves Jack. He's on t-shirts, he's on the book cover. Yeah. And then we thought, do we tell him a bit about him? Like, you know what? No, let's just leave it. He's enigmatic. Nobody knows who Jack is. He's, yeah. He's Jack. So everyone can, they, there's enough there for them to build on the character. Everyone, yeah, he's, yeah. He's a serial killer, but nobody knows how he picks his victims. It could be a CEO one week, a pizza delivery boy the next week, and a mother of three the following. There's no, there's no pattern that anybody can discern. And he yeah. appears to quite like killing slay operatives. That's the only thing is he goes out of his way to okay. hunt down slay operatives. If, one, if, if they're in the area and they know he's near and they're looking for him, he will not hide, he will not run. He will actually, <laughs> he will go and find them. Right, bring it on. Yeah. So whatever, whoever he is, he's got a grudge with slay industries. Yeah, that sounds really cool, actually. Yeah, it's something that you can bring in as a recurring villain. And, yeah. He's very and much an iconic fun. character. Yeah, cool. Like I said, we've written nothing about him. Hardline images and people love them. That's great. Well, awesome. thank, thank you very much for, no worries, for talking thank you very much. to us. Thank you very much for listening. We've been the Critical Twits. If you've enjoyed that, please remember to like, share, and subscribe. Um, we had an absolutely amazing time at Dragon Meat, didn't we, Jamie? We did. It was awesome. Um, and I may have overindulged in the charity raffle. Um, yeah, how much did you end up spending? I'm not telling because my <laughs> girlfriend might hear and tell me off. Um, well, it's a charity. Yes, and I actually bought a couple of things I planned to gift on, uh, sort of Christmas and such like. Yeah. Um, the, the first, uh, the big prize that unfortunately was a little bit out of our reach uh, was two people managed to get themselves drawn into the next edition of Munchkin as their own cards. Yeah, that was amazing. I went for £650 each. Yes, I was very tempted. Uh, my budget wasn't quite there, but I was very tempted to try and get a Critical Twits card in I there. Know. And yeah. I was like, ah, oh, no, I don't have that much money to indulge myself. Um, but they um, they bought all sorts of different things, uh, sold loads of, loads of great uh, stuff, and raised over £3,500 uh, for charity. Uh, so, I mean, that alone it means it's worth popping along, having a look at it next time. Uh, it's been bigger, 
it's been better than I remember. There's been a lot more people here. Um, and it's just been an absolutely great time. It's been a fantastic day and definitely look forward to going again next year. Yeah, so uh, until next time, we've been the Critical Twits in our various incarnations throughout this episode. Uh, thank you very much for listening. See you next time. Mm-hmm.